Praise God. Please be seated. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you today for today, for the mercies that are brand new on this day, for watching over us throughout the night, the nights, the week, the weeks, this year, the years. And Father, before we were even conceived, before even the world was formed, thank you, Lord God, for your will and your plan in our lives. Help me this morning, Father God. I need your help this morning to share your word to your people for your glory. It's not about me. It's about you. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Good morning, family of God. Good morning, friends. Good morning, everyone online. Uh, man, I have a lot on my heart this morning, and my heart is also touched uh, by the sad news for uh, Sister Sahili. I didn't, I didn't know your cousin, but I, I've, I've watched you post for years about your cousin Benzo, Charlie Benzo Brown, and uh, I know how tight you are with your family, and so. It touches my heart to know that you are in grieving right now, and we will continue to pray for you and your family. And as I was sitting there, I was just thinking about it, and, and uh, I'm just going to remix my sermon this morning a little bit, and I hope that what I share touches you. And I hope that everyone here who's going through something in grieving or in mourning or just, just dealing with whatever pressures and weights of life, I hope the word speaks to you this morning. I hope that you open your ears and heart to hear the word this morning because this morning, this lesson is all about the heart. All right? Amen. And my appeal to you this morning is literally from heart to heart. So I'm going to appeal to you this morning from the heart. And I hope that the word of God this morning will touch your heart. And as was read this morning, uh, I want to thank Brother Miles for reading that. I'll read it again. Uh, but before we get into our lesson, uh, I just want to tell you guys this morning that pray for me also this morning, man, because I'm tired of my feet hurt. <laughs> we did a lot of walking yesterday at Six Flags, <laughs> and we had a good time, but, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. So I'm up here. I feel good, but, you know, I'm, yeah. I really want to thank Naja because... Naja was so clutch in making all of this happening, and I believe she deserves a, a round of applause and even more. Because when you're putting stuff together, you're dealing with people, personalities, and when you include monies and deadlines and pickups and drop-offs, y'all don't know how much of a frustrating process that can be. And I was slightly perturbed. So I can only imagine all that Naja had to endure. Nevertheless, we had a great time yesterday. We had a really good time. It was good to be amongst the saints yesterday in, in Six Flags. And one of my clients that I brought with me. So, you know, I have to be very careful. The, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who hid some leaven in the dough. Right? That's the shortest parable in scripture. Meaning we, we, are, the, we are the leaven. All right. We have to be very slick and discreet when we plant seeds. 
So I invited some of my clients out because I knew they were going to be amongst the church. But I couldn't force them to come and hear the word per se. I'll let them know up front, hey, I'm going to be preaching on this day, so you guys are welcome to come and hear me. He said, okay. So when they got there, I said, hey, look, man, we in here now, and um, I would love for you guys to come and hear me, but I can't force you to do that. So they saw the rides, and they wanted to get their food, and they ran off. So they didn't get to fellowship with us, right? But they interacted with you guys, and, and it was very pleasant. And I'm sharing this because I want to share one thing with you. So when I dropped off the last kid yesterday, um, one of my kids was involved in, in a school shooting, right? So there's, this was high profile. So I'm dropping him off. He said, man, you know, I had a real good time today. I said, man, I'm glad you did, right? Y'all got time for a backstory? So we took some kids in August to Great America. Samari was there, right? And leading this, let's just say there was an incident at the park. It involved Great American Security and it involved Santa Clara Police. Let me let y'all know Santa Clara Police is the most friendliest, most well-trained police department I've ever had the privilege of interacting with, right? So because we had an incident at Great American August, I told my, my job, I'm like, we gotta make it up to these kids. So me being the mad scientist that I am, I said, oh, this will be perfect. Let me get the kids to come out and then they can fellowship with the church, right? So fast forward to yesterday, I'm dropping my kid off and he's like, man, I had such a great time. And I was like, I'm glad you did, right? And he said, you know, it feels good to get out of the hood. Like, it feels good to experience new things. This was his first time at Six Flags. He said, it feels good to experience new things. It feels good to be safe. And I was like, man, this is bigger than what y'all even know, right? Now we're going, to fright, we're going to the park for fright night to be scared and all those things, right? But I want you guys to know that you guys were responsible for help cultivating a great experience for a young man who just felt good to be out and experience something different and something new. And that's not the type of stuff that, that, that's the type of stuff that touches my heart, right? And so as I'm standing here before you this morning, I'm just thinking about our heart and how God really, if you don't hear nothing else this morning, just know that God knows our hearts, right? And God is more pleased with a repentant, faithful, dedicated heart than any sacrifice you can make. I know sometimes we think that we can bring God gifts and we can do a lot of good works and good deeds for God, but those can fall short and fall empty if your heart is wrong. If your heart is unrepentant, if your heart is absent of the gift that you offer. See, husbands and wives know this, right? Don't just show up with flowers because it's the thing to do, right? Put your heart into it, right? Ladies, don't just cook the meal because we're hungry. Put, some, put your heart into it, amen? And see, it's received it can be received totally differently. I mean, 
Ladies, just talking to the ladies right now. This is just. See, yes, men, oh, I hear you, I hear you. Right? Men are simple, right? Now, let me give my disclaimer because Sister Tanya Sahili is different, right? Yesterday when I said she, I, she helped raise me, she said, I'm only seven years older than him. I said, you're right. Amen. Right? So when I said, did y'all always listen to y'all period? She said, yes, I did. So sis, just know you excluded from this. All right? Especially seeing the gourmet meals you prepare online. Right? But, but ladies, just know men are simple. Right? You can make a grilled cheese taste like a five-star restaurant Michelin grilled cheese if you just put the right effort and energy into it. Because that's what we care about, the effort and the energy, right? So God is looking at our heart in totality and how we combine our effort, our time, our energy, and our thoughts. Anything absent of that means nothing to God. You can present to God the greatest offering, gift, and sacrifice, but it means nothing if your heart isn't in it. And I need us to see that because God chose David to be his king for his people for one reason. And that one reason is because David was a man after God's heart. That's it. It wasn't that David was uh, uh, so, so uh, astronomically special, right? It was the fact that God needed somebody that he can trust who would truly follow him and truly serve him when times are good and when times are bad. Now, was David flawless? Absolutely not. But David proved time and time again that he was a man after God's heart. I don't know if y'all hear me when, y'all, when I say this because I don't think I really understood this until recently. All the years that I've heard this being said and taught and preached, it didn't hit me until now. David was truly a man after God's heart, meaning David wanted what God wanted. David was pleased with what pleased God. David desired what God desired. And David, when he fell short, knew, I have to get right with God. Even if, I'm, even if I'm not good with you guys, I got to get right with God. So God, David is a truly a man after God's own heart. Now, this is highlighted by the fact that David was not God's first king. Saul was. So in order to highlight how much of a man David was after God's own heart, We almost got to look at Saul and how Saul was God's chosen king, but Saul was not a man after God's heart. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the PM a few weeks ago. But if you guys don't mind, I want to read to you this morning and I want to highlight some things. Is that okay? Y'all got your Bibles out this morning? Now, do y'all got time for the word this morning? Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Boy, I love seeing, I love seeing the little kids in the house. Come on. Love seeing the little kids in the house. Oh. So good to see everybody in this house today. 
My heart is my heart is, is is joyous right now. I'm glad to see Ebony in the house this morning. Glad to see Octavia this morning. Glad to see the kid, Brother Dukes. Every time your kids come, they just come with this smile that is electric and their energy. Walking to the class and coming out of the class. And that's a that's a testament to the teacher. The, the teacher teaching the little kids with a contrite heart this morning, church. I got something for you this morning, sis. First Samuel chapter 13. And we were going to read, man, I have so much I want to share with y'all. I really want to go through 13, 14, and 15, but time won't permit that. Let me just give y'all 1 Samuel 13, 1 through 13, and then we'll, we'll end in Psalms. Is that okay? Yeah. Follow me this morning. The Bible says, Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel 42 years. I need y'all to see what Saul does here. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel, and 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with who? Jonathan. See, this is, another, this is another what we call the law of first mention. This is the first time that Jonathan is mentioned in Scripture. This is the first time we see Saul's oldest son, Jonathan, mentioned in Scripture. And Jonathan is very prominent throughout 1 Samuel. Let me let y'all know, Jonathan was a warrior. Jonathan, like the young people say, Jonathan was a boy. Jonathan was very successful as a valiant warrior for Israel. This is the first time we see Saul's oldest son. That's critical because we're about to watch Saul's oldest son in action immediately. This is also the first time that Israel has what we would call an official or formal army. Because before this, Israel just kind of had... Uh, let's just say a militia. They would come together during various battles and at various times. But now, we see here, now, now David is not in, remember, David numbered the people. We ain't got to David yet. Saul is now gathering 3,000 soldiers, and now we have a military army. Do you guys see that? Saul put it together. 2,000 stayed with him, 1,000 went with Jonathan. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Now, verse 3. The Bible says, Jonathan attacked the Philistines at Geba. Y'all saw that? Who attacked the Philistines? Jonathan said, you know what, man? We ain't no suckers around here. And these God's enemies, these the ops. So you know what? We're going to show them something. We ain't scared. Jonathan on his own, attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba. And the Philistines heard about it. Now, the Philistines, at this time, they're like, you know what? Israel ain't really a threat to us. And we kind of got a little truce going on right now. And so, you know, the thing about a truce is a truce isn't a real truce, right? As long as you stay on your side and I stay on my side, we cool. But as soon as you come over to this side, now we got problems. So that's what happens because Jonathan decides, let's go attack this outpost at Geba of the Philistines. Y'all with me? 
The Bible said who attacked? Jonathan attacked. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, let the Hebrews hear. Verse 4. So all, the, all Israel heard the news that Saul attacked the Philistine outposts. Is that what happened? Because the Bible let us know just the verse before, Jonathan attacked. But now Saul has to sound the alarm and say, hey, everybody, look what I just did. We already see right now that Saul has a selfish motive. Now he's taking credit for something his son did. Let me tell you, that's a weak individual. When you, gotta take, when you, when you can't allow nobody around you to shine, when you can't around, allow nobody around you to have any kind of credit or success, that's a weak individual. When you always have to put yourself at the forefront, or, or you, oh Lord, have mercy. This is your son. You mean you can't, you can't allow your offspring, your seed, your child to get any type of credit? Saul, Saul, so all Israel heard the news, and Saul had attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. So Israel like, oh, that's what we're doing. Now, we was going to leave y'all alone, but now y'all want to start something. Y'all want to kick up some dust. So some of y'all translations say Israel became an abomination. Okay? Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul. Where? At Gilgal. Now, here's the thing, y'all. Y'all got to know, like, 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 uh, Moses predicted that the people would want a king. Well, that's back in Deuteronomy. Moses already knew. He said, man, y'all going to get over to that other side. Y'all going to finally be cool. And out of nowhere, y'all going to want to be a king like the other nations around you. Now, 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 we know there's way more to it than that, right? Because really what, what, what Israel wanted was they, they, they weren't satisfied with God's ordained judges, God's ordained captains or leaders. They wanted uh, someone in the official formal role of a king leader, and a king is someone who goes before the people in battle. So we want somebody to stand before us and fight for us and go forward and go out. That was one of the big reasons why they wanted a king, right? A leader stands before the people, not behind the people. So Saul being a king, Saul is supposed to be out in front Leading the troops in battle. Now we saw how this played out in 2 Samuel when, the, when, when David was at home watching Bathsheba. Amen, church. He's supposed to be on the front lines. So the Philistines assembled to fight Israel. And the Philistines assembled with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So the Philistines like, oh, so we come in a fight fight, right? So we're going to bring the whole gang. We got so many soldiers that you can't even count them. Now, how many does Israel have? 3,000. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon, when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and, they, and that their army was hard-pressed 
Look what the Bible says. They hid. They hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in the pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. The Bible says Saul remained at Gilgal. Now, King, you're supposed to be out front. You're supposed to be leading us in the battle. Now, some say that Saul was just so mesmerized with himself because he had just been ordained by Samuel a few chapters before. So he stayed in Gilgal so he could reflect and reminisce on this uh, ordination ceremony. While his son, Jonathan, is out provoking the Philistines. Nevertheless, Saul remained in Gilgal. And all the troops were with him, quaking with fear. So now they scared, now they spooked. Jonathan attacked the Philistines. The Philistines have mounted, regulators, mount up. And now they heard they coming. So now they shook. Now they hiding. Y'all ready? It's about to get good. Saul is a king. Saul is not a priest. Y'all remember this, right? Saul is anointed king, but Samuel is the priest. So Samuel, Samuel offers up the offerings and the sacrifices before God because he is the priest. The king is not allowed to do that. The Bible says Saul waited seven days. The time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So seven days have gone by. And Samuel told Saul that I'm going to come and see you in seven days. Saul knows this, right? Saul is fully aware of this, and Saul is fully aware of his role as a king and not a priest. But I'm going to show y'all something. I'm going to talk to y'all for a quick second. Samuel did not show up at the appointed time where he told Saul he was coming. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come, and Saul's men began to scatter. I'm going to show you the sign of a good leader. A good leader stays in communication and his disposition doesn't change based upon the people. Just because the people get nervous and and, and anxious and scary, a leader has to stay composed. Because if the leader starts to tremble, then everybody else will see that and start to tremble. A leader has to stay connected to the mission. A leader has to stay connected to the charge. In this case... Saul was to stay connected to God and wait on Samuel, right? But Samuel doesn't show up, at, right? Look, what y'all, what y'all love saying? He's an on-time God. He won't always show up when you want him, but he always shows up when you need him, right? Y'all love saying that, right? Waiting on God, ugh. waiting on God is a forever conundrum. Because in one instance, I put in my application, and now I'm going to wait on God. In another instance, God, I need you right here, right now. I'm in trouble. 
Another instance is, you know what, Lord? I tried and I tried and I tried and I failed. I'm going to wait on you to send me my spouse. Oh, come on, church. Another instance, Lord, you sent me my spouse and now I want a child. I will wait. I will wait. I will wait. But let me tell y'all something. We always get messed up when it gets closest to the end of the wait. How do I know this? Because we all went to school and we all got to uh, our senior year and we developed what some people call as senioritis. You already know school is about to be out, you about to be done, but that last quarter of that last semester, you just can't seem to get right. Can't seem to focus, can't seem to submit things on time. Senioritis, right? Oh, y'all don't like that one? Let me give y'all another one, right? You get hungry, and, and Bishop, I remember when you taught on this. We get hungry and we go through the drive-thru, right? And when we go through the drive-thru, right, instead of pulling over to, 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 to enjoy our meal or wait till we get home, we stick our hand right in that bag with them fries that's real hot, burn our hands and burn our mouth on them fries, right? Because, and, and, and you know when you start to smell the food, your stomach starts to tell you, ooh, I'm hungry. Oh, y'all don't like that one. Let me give you another one. Y'all better say amen on this one. Don't, don't be in your car having to go to the bathroom, and you know as soon as you pull up to the driveway and get closer to the door, you got to start, oh, Lord. It seems like as soon as you get close to the door to the bathroom, it just start coming. Amen? Y'all got to know, when the, it, it, the, the closer you get to the end, the more anxious you get, right? Amen, amen somebody. Amen. So, so if Saul would have just waited on Samuel, everything would have been fine. But Saul said to himself, where's Samuel at? It's seven days. He ain't here. So Saul said, I'm going to take it upon myself, even though I'm the king, not the priest. Saul said, bring me the burnt offering. Bring it to me. Bring me the fellowship offering, Shade. I, I, I don't know where Samuel at, right? Just bring it to me. You ain't got no business doing it. You're the king. This is the priest's job. Saul offered up the burnt offering. Tell y'all something, man. We be so anxious waiting on God until we get to that point. You know what, God? I'm going to just do it myself. I waited long enough on you, God. I'm going to just go ahead and step in and help you. I'm going to throw you the oop, God. I'm going to give you the assist. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And you see what happens when we take matters into our own hands, right? We mess everything up all the time. He said, bring me the, the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished. Y'all know this. Just as he finished making the... Man, if I would have just waited. We talked about it this morning, right? If I would have just waited and took my time, or if I would have just waited on God. Some of us are here right now. Man, if I would have just waited on God, I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in right now. If I would have just held fast and stood. Just as Saul finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. I need y'all to see this, though. Because... 
I'm about to show y'all something that you can't see with the naked eye. Are y'all at verse 10? Y'all got to see this. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And my Bible says, Saul went out to greet him. Does y'all see that in y'all Bible? Anybody got something else? Saul went out to meet and welcome him. Y'all got anything else? Meet and greet, right? Saul went out to, hey, what's happening, Samuel? What what, would it do? What's good? Charles Davis voice. What's up, playboy? Saul went out to greet him. Nothing out of the ordinary, right? Let me give you a more literal translation. Saul had already fumbled the bag because he didn't made the burnt offering. He didn't made the fellowship offering. He's a king, and now he think he the priest. But now he really think he the priest because really it's saying Saul went out to bless Samuel as if he Saul really think he the priest. He goes out and to greet Samuel to think he can offer Samuel a blessing. So he didn't forget who he was. Y'all see how sin can make us lose ourselves? Make us forget who we really are? So now the king think he the priest because he didn't offer up a, a, a sacrifice. I'm going to show you what else he's doing. I'm going to show y'all what else he's doing, right? This reminds me of uh, the interaction in John 4. You know, the woman is like, you know, I ain't got, you know, Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would offer me something to drink, right? She's like, oh, I perceive you are, the pro- you are one of the prophets, right? Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, right? She's trying to get deep and theological. I'm going to show y'all something that we do sometimes as humans. When we know we mess up with God, we did this with our parents, right? We know we messed up. You know that report card is coming. You know the principal about to call the house. You know the police just left the house. You start cleaning up everything you see in sight, hoping that when your parents get home. Oh, y'all didn't do that? Y'all start rearranging, shape-shifting. Y'all start doing all kinds of... That's, how, that's a giveaway. Your parents know you done already messed up. But see, we, 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 we try to correct ourselves. We try to purify ourselves. We try... And I'm going to tell y'all something. Spiritually, we try to consecrate ourselves. We try to religify ourselves. We try to get holy with God. See, Samuel know he didn't messed up, so he see the prophet coming. He, excuse me, he see the priest coming. And he think he can come out and greet him and welcome him and bless him. We will, we will, we will completely rebel against God. And then drop to our knees and, oh, oh, Lord, oh, how I love thee. And, oh, Lord God, you are so... You ain't repenting with God. You ain't, now, now we'll, we'll do all of that coming for you. Our church, I've sinned. Pray for me, I've sinned. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Did you get right with God? And did you really repent with God? So Samuel, like, man, I ain't here for no games. Right? Samuel says, what have you done? This is a chance for him to come clean, brother, brother Jordan. This is a chance for him to tell the truth. I fumbled the bag. I should have waited on you. But you know what? The people were scared. 
Here come all the excuses. Saul replied, hey, here's the first one. When I saw that the men were scattering. See, this is why, why, why Saul started to lose it. Because he started to look at the people. Instead of keeping his mind on God and waiting on Samuel, he starts to look at the people. Well, the people ain't coming, so or the people ain't doing right, or the people ain't giving their best. See, that's why you don't look around and focus on who's here and who's not here. Pray for everybody, amen. But keep your eyes and your minds fixed and fixated on God. He said, when I saw all the men scattering, the people got scared, so I got scared. Excuse two. And then I saw that you didn't come at the set time. So really, Samuel, this kind of your fault. It's really on you. You said you were supposed to come at seven in seven days. You told me that. You said that. See, we did this as kids. I did oh, I, let me just use me. I mean I statements, right? I did this as a kid, right? When it was always time for the parent-teacher conference, my teacher just don't like me. <laughs> Never mind, I'm sleeping in class, I'm throwing paper in class, I'm passing notes in class, I'm acting a fool in class. But my teacher don't like me. It's my teacher's fault, right? It's always somebody else's fault. That's immaturity speaking. You didn't come at the set time. The Philistines were assembling at Michmash. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. I thought I was safe in Gilgal, y'all. <laughs> I know they was camping up there at Michmash. I have not sought the Lord's favor. I'm going to tell y'all one of the most dangerous things we can say. I don't know what it says in your Bible, but he said, I felt compelled. I felt moved. I felt convicted. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings. Y'all know that's where you and I do our, 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 our best work. Well, in my heart or in my feelings, I was moved. I felt compelled. This ain't no amen time right here because this is a heart check. I know what I'm supposed to do, but sometimes we can be so in our feelings and emotions that what feels right ain't right. He said, I felt compelled to offer these. I know I'm not supposed to, but, but the people were scared. You wasn't nowhere to be found, and, and, and I just didn't know what to do. So I, I reached deep down in my feelings. I felt compelled to offer this burnt offering. The next voice, the next verse, Samuel said, you acted foolishly. Now, y'all got to know Saul is very intelligent. So he's not calling him an idiot or dumb. Y'all don't want to hear this. But see, when Job's wife said, curse God and die, he didn't call her a fool. He said, you speak as a foolish woman. And see, sometimes when people are talking and, and your response is, man, that's, that's, that's a dumb idea. You're calling me dumb. I'm not calling you dumb. I'm just saying that's a dumb idea. But we internalize it, 
right? You call me stupid. Oh, you, you, you're not listening to what I said. Listen to what was said. What you said was foolish. Saul is, 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 is completely absent of accountability. So now Samuel says, you acted foolishly with your smart self. You know better than this. You have not, comm- you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Y'all know we know what to do. We, some of us know what the word says. Some of us know the rules of the house. Be in this house by this time. We know what to do. But we choose otherwise. We feel compelled, y'all. You know, I, I don't want you going out. It's a school night. Oh, but it's a party. So we sneak out the house. Yeah, don't say, man. Don't give yourself away. We know what to do. We know, we, we, we know the word. We know the rules. We know the assignment. We know the charge. But yet and still, we act foolish. Samuel said, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom of Israel for all time. In other words... You're not going to be stripped of your kingship right now. But your kingdom was supposed to last forever. This was supposed to go to your son, his son, his son, his son. But because you didn't listen and you acted foolishly, your kingdom will not endure. And the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Can't work with somebody who ain't willing to, to, to. I can't work with somebody that's hard headed. See, a coach will tell you, you got to be coachable. Yeah. I don't care how talented you are, how smart you are, how gifted you are, how much you practice, how much time you put in. If you ain't coachable, sit down. Yeah. I can't. What, what do you say, Bishop Snowball? Can't win with him. Nope, can't do it. Won't do it. If you're not willing to listen to the coach, you're not willing to run the plays. I can't use you. So now I got to put somebody in position that's going to serve me and follow me. That's after my heart. You didn't keep the Lord's command. Let me give y'all this. Psalm 51. Very popular and familiar song. David messed up when he slept with Bathsheba, and then he had Bathsheba's husband killed, sent him to the front of the battle. David writes this psalm 
after he has an encounter with the prophet Nathan, where Nathan had to tell David, you are the man in the story that has committed murder. It hit David like a ton of bricks. David says, create in me, Lord, a clean heart. I want you all to focus on something else. Verse 15. Oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. This is about to get real heavy. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You understand what David is saying right there? You, God, do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. We just watched Saul offer up a burnt offering to God. And Samuel said, you've acted foolishly. People, what David is saying, it's not about the sacrifice because a sacrifice can fall empty. It can be perfect without blemish and it can be what I asked. But Brother Dukes, a sacrifice, anybody can offer a sacrifice. You know how I know that? Because we do it every week. Jesus said, if y'all beefing, don't bring me no gift at the altar. Go reconcile with your brother first. I don't want that. But we come week in and week out. There is a name I love to sing. It's empty. I don't want that. But you think it's a sacrifice because I got up and I made it here. You think it's a sacrifice because six days out of the week I'm hustling and bustling. And on Sunday I'll be so tired, but I got up and I made it here. You think that's a sacrifice. That ain't no sacrifice. And you ain't did God, you ain't did me no favor. You ain't did yourself a favor, right? I see people in here bringing little kids in here. I know how hard that is. I remember watching Sade and Naja. I remember watching them matching dresses, similar hairstyle, maybe not matching. I remember watching that, right? They was matching. I remember watching that. You know how it is? You know how hard, look, I, I have a 16-year-old with me sometimes. It's hard to get him up to get ready for school. Hey, Levi, Sunday morning, you can watch TV, but you better get up in the morning. All right, Uncle. 7.30 a.m. I think they got to kick Levi to get him up. We think sometimes that just showing up is a sacrifice. You think... We think being here right now singing, I don't even like that song. That's a sacrifice. I don't like when he preached, oh, that's my sacrifice. You, you think that what you're offering to God is pleasing, and it ain't. So David is saying, I, I know how filthy I am. And I know, I, 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 I know how wretched I am. 
So God, I understand you don't want just sacrifice because that can fall short. That can fall empty because your heart ain't in it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit. David is saying, you get more out of me coming to you with my broken spirit. Because I'm bringing you my heart even though it's broken. I'm giving you all that I have even though I barely have anything to give. This is, this is not a Sunday morning festivity. David is saying, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. How can you despise that, God? Let me tell you what a sacrifice is. I just lost my cousin last night. I'm, I just lost my child. I just lost, I just lost my loved one. And I still have it in my heart to be present and engaged. I just went through surgery. My body is failing. My health and my strength are failing. But I have it in me to be present amongst the saints. I may can't get out one note. But see, you thought it was a sacrifice because you came far. Or you woke up early. I'm going to try to tell y'all, man, God said, I got to get Saul out of here. Because he ain't a man after my own heart. He, he, his heart is after the people. The, where, where, however the people waver and sway, that's where his heart at. And see, I wanted to take y'all here to 15, but, but, but Saul got even so out of himself, he resurrected a monument for himself. His heart is after his own self. Some of us are after our own glory, our own, our, our, our own hype. God said, I can't use that. I need somebody that will empty themselves and follow me from heart to heart. David said, man, David knows, man, I can give you that fake stuff. Because when I had him killed, I went like everything was fine. I knew what I did was wrong. But you know what? Business as usual. I'm telling y'all, man, we got to check our heart. And I pray your heart lines up with God's heart. Was David without sin? Of course not. But David was a man after God's own heart because he knew when he fell short, I got to get right with God. He said, I have sinned against thee and thee alone. Let me give y'all this last piece. Psalm 34. Can't even find my verse. David said, the Lord is near to those who are broken and contrite heart. I don't know what you're going through right now in this season of life. Your heart may be dancing for joy right now. Your heart may be crushed. 
your heart may be broken. I want you to know that's exactly what God wants. I want all of you. I want your entire heart. I want the, I want, I want the, and see this, this, when we talk about heart, this always hits home for me, man, because I have, I have a heart issue, a, a physical heart issue, right? My grandmother had arrhythmia. Her heartbeat skipped. And I dealt with that early on. And then I developed AFib. When my heart, the top of your heart beats and it triggers the bottom to beat. Boom, 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 boom. Sometimes mine flutters and then it causes the bottom to overwork. I have to take medication for that. Brother Hurd. Some of us have a, a heart that is stone cold. God can't use you. God can't you God God don't look God don't need it. He wants you to bring your brokenness, your hurt, your pain. He just wants to know that your heart is going to be after his heart. And if we're not if if that's if that's not the case, this, then this is all just a formality. What we're doing, this is all just a I don't know what you want to call it. This might be this might be your uh, motivational minute. This might be this this is what gets you through the week. Oh, I just came to hear some good singing. Oh, the singing wasn't good today. Nope, gotta go on YouTube. And see, we get so we get so wrapped up in that. I gotta find me a congregation with some good singing. And then we turn it into a spectator sport. I gotta find me some good preaching. Oh, brother, see, that's some good preaching right there. Amen. Hallelujah. I came to shout. Y'all see the stuff, type of stuff we say? I just came to shout. I just came to praise. Where's your heart at? Does God have your heart? Because if God don't have your heart, he will remove you just like he removed Saul. And all of the things that we go through, y'all, I'm done. All of the things that we go through is God trying to get us get our attention to get our hearts. All the things we go through. I was listening to Brother Daniels this morning, Hope, and he was saying, he made a good point. He said all that Job went through, you know, we say stuff like, oh, the devil is busy. The devil show is busy. The devil working overtime on me. The devil, 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 right? Job, now, now keep in mind, Job is unaware of any dialogue in heaven, right? Job is unaware of any transaction in heaven. So Job can only refer to God. All that he's going through, Job says, though, he slay me. He didn't say, oh, the devil on me, y'all. The devil got the, the, the devil, nah, nah. Though, he slay me. Because at the end of the day, it's God trying to get your attention. It's God trying to get your heart. Devil say, touch it. Look, man, touch all that stuff he got. I bet you he curse you. Right? I bet you he curse you. Because y'all know we'll trade some stuff for health. Right? We'll give it all up. We'll give it all up. But touch his body, I bet you he curse you. Because you can't exchange nothing for your health. Right? 
You can have all the money in the world, but when your health goes, then what? Joseph, though he slay me. Because God is trying to get your focus. And God is trying to get your heart. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I know God got somebody's heart, though, before she even came this morning. And we're going to pray God keep her heart. And I pray, church, that we be an example to the young Christians growing up. One of the things that was so beautiful to see yesterday as I was, I was, I was watching uh, Bishop Stovall's grandkids, right? And Brother Stovall said, man, I remember bringing Rodney to this park. He, t- he told me about a park I didn't even know existed. What, what was it called? Front- Frontier? Frontier Village? I've never even heard of that, right? But he said, I brought Rodney and my kids here, and now they're bringing their kids here. I'm like, man, that is... That was one of the most beautiful things I saw yesterday. A whole new generation of young Christians coming up, enjoying each other's presence and company. But it's our job, church, it's our job to lead by example and to keep them, right? This was the lesson that I shared yesterday. Train up a child in a way he should go and he will not depart from it, right? Pour into the kids. Pour into the younger generation. And this is not a promise that they won't leave and fall away because many of us fell away. Many of us left, or many of us were right here every week and were left. We were gone. We were here week in and week out, and we were far gone. But guess what? You never forget that training. You never forget what you were taught. You can be far out in these streets, and you still remember what you were taught as a kid, what you were taught in church. You're just suppressing it. You're just putting it down. Please stand with me, church.